Welcome into the chatter and welcome to winter, everyone in the Midwest. I know we have some listeners in Argentina. We have some listeners in Spain, according to the Podbean app. Also plenty of listeners out in California. But for those of us in the Midwest, Houdini, it is tough times right about now. Welcome to December, big guy. It's getting cold, man. As you can tell, I am a little bit under the weather. I've been clogged up. Um, just just devastating here for the last, what, since Thanksgiving when you're shaking hands, licking doorknobs and whatnot. I caught some type of a bug, but I am battling through like the alpha that I am and the alpha that we say we are on these podcasts. I'm, I'm battling through it. So we're going to do a show. A lot of people have been bitching about not having a show last week. Um, I had a couple of threats sending me videos of unfollowing the show because we weren't consistent. Wow. So, hey, guys, we're here. Rain or shine, we are here. We're back. We're going to give you a good show. So everybody relax. I feel like Aaron Rodgers. Just relax. I'll tell you what, though, man. Winter. It's I don't know if it's good to be back, but it feels like I'm home again. Uh, spent the last few years in California, as the listeners know. Uh, never had to deal with taking out the parkas and the winter coats. One thing that I really forgot about that is just absolutely excellent. It may be better than sex. It may be the best feeling in the world. That is how you tease something right here. You prepared for it. The greatest feeling in the world is when you get out to your car it's 6.45 in the morning, it's cold as hell, and you have to wait that like four minutes. And if you have an electric starter on your car, you don't have to wait at all. You hop right in, it's warm. But it's that four-minute window where you're just shivering in the car. And then you see that little bulb go up from the C to about halfway to the H. And you know it's hot enough to blast it. It's wonderful, man. I never realized how amazing it was um, when I was younger. But it is one of the great feelings of all time when that hot air just blasts and you're ready for your day. I mean, I don't know if there's anything worse than getting up and going to the car, realizing that the windshield is literally two inches of ice. You have to get the scraper out. Your hand is like bleeding. It's you're so goddamn late. cold. You're already late. To oh, work. You're, yeah. you're obviously late. But now you get to throw in, hey, you know, there was, there was ice on the road, ice on my car. I always look at it. I, I literally act like it's the biggest deal ever. I'm like, you know, God only gives his toughest battles to his strongest soldiers. Every time it's like eight in the morning and it's below 40 degrees. That's how I feel every day. It's, it's brutal, but you get through it. And yeah, you don't have this uh, out West. That's not something they deal with in California. That's for damn sure. I don't know how to figure out this weather because you go inside, you know, you dress for the outdoors. I got my long johns on underneath my work pants. I got like a uh, parka on underneath it. I have a hoodie underneath that. I have a, a button down. And then you immediately walk into, walk into a building and you look like you did after, you know, you worked out and had to shower real quickly and then sit in the gymnasium or the auditorium sweating your ass off. Like, that's how I feel. I just don't know how to properly prepare. You can't win. It's... It's not even your fault. It's these it's these corporations, these companies, these buildings. I don't know. It They don't need – they overcompensate. They blast the heat like 10,000 degrees. So when I get back, like I'll walk to work sometimes. I get in there. I'm bundled up like an Eskimo. And then I go in directly into like a brick pizza oven. And you're like, what do you – can I pop the top off? No, that's frowned upon, right? So you're in a tough spot. You're going to be sweating. Um, but – I mean, to, to what you were saying about, I don't, the cold, like being in Arizona or being in California, I don't miss the cold, dude. 
at all. Every time the cold comes around, I would like it for maybe one week. If we could do Christmas week, get some snow on the ground, you know, see some little kids sled riding, some shit like that, snowball fights, all that good stuff. After one week, I'm done with it. Give me back to warm weather. Summer is alpha. It's the king. Winter, come on. I, I, I don't despise it, but who wants to be cold? Nobody does shit. It's dark. It's cold. It's snowy. It's wet. Cancel it. I wouldn't mind. One thing that I don't want to cancel, and it, it just reminds me of the winter, and when I lived on the West Coast, no one cared about it. That's college basketball. Like, literally, people would laugh at me when I'd wear my Cincinnati gear into work. They'd be like, why are you wearing Cincinnati gear, you loser? And I'm like, because they're my team. They're my team. I love the Bearcats. And they're like, grow up and watch the NFL. Watch the NBA. You're a loser, Chuck. But there's something about college basketball. That when you're in a city that cares about it, because it lost its luster when I was on the West Coast, and especially with a couple of the seasons being those COVID years. Because, as you know, that COVID year where there are no fans in the stands, it really it really put a spotlight on how, uh, how bad of a product college basketball is without 20,000 screaming fans in there. I mean, empty with a cardboard cutout of Victor Locken's dad. Um yeah, no, it, it wasn't fun whatsoever. But, um, you know, I, I turned my nose up to the sport, conformed to what the Californians believe, and I am 100% back. Um, it's, it, it's wonderful, man. It, it makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside, even though, as I mentioned, the product really does stink. Yeah, I think that I realized a long time ago that the product is not necessarily top tier, and I think I like it that way. Um, you know, I'll watch a game yeah. where – yeah, I'll watch a game where I'll go, what What the hell is going on? It's a tie game. It's 14 to 14 at halftime. They're combined 22% from the field and like 12% from three. And I'm like, this is that, that was some of the greatest, you know, basketball I've ever watched. Not actually from a product standpoint, but just the kids are on the ground running around. You know, they're bricking every shot they're putting up, but the, the fans are into it. The coaches are going nuts. It's just there's nothing quite like it. And the one thing that I noticed that I still, you know, even being a, a smaller guy, yourself included, short king stand up, Chuck. Um, I'm I'm right above the, the I'm right above the Mendoza line. We say it's about five nine. I'm five ten on. Yeah, if we're lying today, yeah, I'm six four. Whatever, no big deal. Um, but the the Zach Eadies of the world, the Hunter Dickinsons, they don't they don't really exist in the NBA. The, the, the seven-foot guy that can't – I mean, Hunter Dickinson can actually shoot some threes. But the Zach Eadies of the world, those guys still dominate college basketball. And I, I miss the big man. And it's really only the, the true big men from when we were younger really only exists in college basketball. And, and I love watching it. So I'll watch the, the seven-five guy just, you know, get lobs all day long. It's, it's beautiful stuff. And you don't see it in the NBA. Yeah, you had the Drew Timmy last year who, you know, is a grown man playing against a bunch of children, essentially, and <laughs> has the footwork still. And he's like six foot nine, but somehow is, you know, the most dominant player on the floor. And you're like, he's six nine and he's slow. Like, yeah. how is Hansborough. he so damn good? Yeah, it comes down to fundamentals, baby. Who doesn't love some old school fundamentals? So that's where we're at right now, college basketball in full swing. We're going to talk about the Crosstown shootout in just a bit. But staying on the theme of winter, Christmas, man, it's right around the corner. December's a great month. I can deal with March just because you have the tournament. 
Um, I'm not a huge fan of April because it continues to get colder and colder. And then the, the month of February and January, you can just cancel those both. I mean, those are February especially. Thank God you only have 28 days of it. It stinks. Stinks. Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. Okay? You have to respect that. If Kylan's listening, she's going to be furious. It's probably her favorite month. She's not listening. I promise you that. <laughs> um, Christmas is right around the corner, Houdini. And I didn't mention this last time because we were talking about the 30-year-old stages. When you turn 30 or 40, you just pick up a massive hobby. There's the smoker guy that, that smokes meats all the time. There's the guy that's obsessed with the gym. There's the marathon guys that run way too much. There's the uh, the guys that love lawn care and mulching and, and and hopping on their lawnmower and riding it. How about this? And this is the one that I think I'm going to be because I don't want to be the guy that sits at the local watering hole with the suds. I'm going to be the Christmas guy this year. I'm going to go get myself a tree. I may chop down the pine myself in the forest. I'm going to hang ornaments. I'm going to hang lights and everything. I'm going to get a big inflatable Santa in front of the yard. I'm going to you know, wake up every morning with a Christmas coffee mug and Christmas cookies everywhere. I'm going to be that guy, Houdini. I am going to be you're the gonna... Christmas guy. So you're, you're thinking you're going to do like a house like where people go visit. They go, well, let's go over to you know the Johnsons with the candy cane lane, and they have you know a, a 500-foot Santa Claus blow up, the Grinch out front, a whole set of reindeer, little gingerbread man everywhere, and lights every square inch of their house. That's what you're thinking for Chuck? I think that's Future me. Chuck? Yeah. It's not hurting anyone. Here's the issue is I'd be the Christmas guy, and I wouldn't take anything down until March. So everyone would be driving around, and they'd be like, it's February 17th, and that asshole still has his Santa up. I, I don't know. I've always thought the people that have the just insane amount of Christmas shit up, I, I've always thought they've had some – They've got, they got some demons. They're, they got something buried in there. There's something seriously happy. wrong. Too happy. There, it's weird. It gets weird. Where and some A lot of it looks like shit. It's like they basically just collected so much stuff, they just threw it in their yard. And I, I don't know. That could be a decent – I could see that being a horror film, honestly, where like the the teenage kids come out there to check out the candy cane lane at Mr. Johnson's and he's actually like an axe murderer. So maybe that's a future for you. I don't know. We can. Yeah, we can workshop that. Yeah, we already had Romanski on the show um, who's who's yeah. currently writing The Gunslinger. Happy Madison production. Maybe this is a Happy Madison production, too. It's an it evil Chris be. Kringle. Yeah, he could be called. uh uh, Candy Cane Lane's Chris Kringle, Mr. Johnson, um, dude, what a, what a, you're not lying though about the Christmas people. I mean, it's, it's a little much, you know, people wake up and they're matching silk pajamas and they're like, Hey everybody, how are you? They got the coffee in their hand. They just love Christmas a little too much, but, um, you're, you're be- overcompensating for something else going on in your life. If you put like, I mean, it's kind of like Christmas vacation where he, he basically just loses his entire mind over Christmas because nothing else is going right in his entire life. That's what I assume is happening when you spend, you know, two weeks of your time decorating your house. It just seems insane to me. I think there's actually a decent amount of crossover too with uh, a lawn guy can then actually develop into a Christmas guy and vice versa. So it's very versatile. The MySpace top five Christmas movies. We had to do it. I'm going to start... And this is the first time, typically I do my prep work for a MySpace Top 5. I wanted to wing this one. I just wanted to see what I could come up with. So this is 
where the MySpace Top 5 gets interesting. For those of you that haven't followed along with the show and you're just now joining, we see the numbers spiking. Welcome to those of you that are new to the Chatter Podcast. MySpace Top 5. We start at 5, we go down to 1, you have to really allocate your picks. Number 5, I'm going to go with the Santa Claus. It's a little bit slept on. You know, Tim Allen is the Santa Claus. The son's name is Charlie. You got the stepdad, Neil, that just keeps telling Charlie that Santa isn't real, ruining Charlie's life. He's like, no, Santa is real. He's my dad. I've been to the North Pole. And Neil's like, Charlie, shut the hell up. Shut the hell up, Charlie. You got a crazy mind there, buddy. So, yeah, number five, it's the Santa Claus. We'll start him off nice and easy. Yeah, no, that's a good one. I had it on my board as well. The stepdad dynamic is great in that. Like, I'm just imagining if I was the stepdad in the scenario and, and my, you know, stepkid is like, my dad's the real Santa. I swear to God, I went to the North Pole with him. I'd be like, listen, Diane, I don't know what to do with the kid. He thinks his dad is Santa Claus. Um, I digress. We'll go with my number five. We'll go with the Grinch, Jim Carrey version. Um, I still think it plays today. I'm shocked that that came out in like 2003. I feel like the the last movie he was in number five. Okay. I like that. Number four, we're going with jingle all the way. Arnold Schwarzenegger is turbo man. Howard's trying to scheme on his wife. The entire movie. And at the end, she hits him with the eggnog. It says, get the hell out of here, Howard. Who else is in it? Sinbad is in it. Fun family packed film. Jingle all the way. Number four. I like it. I like it. My number four, I'm going to go with a classic, a Charlie Brown Christmas. Wow. Just a great, it's just a great film. The, the fake field goal thing where they pull it and the, my favorite character, I, I can't, what the guy's pig pen, pig pen. He just has a, they just show dust around him at all times. Cause he just smells like shit constantly. Probably my favorite character in a Christmas uh, series. So we'll do Charlie Brown Christmas. Love that. Number three, we're going with, I can't believe you just took a Charlie Brown Christmas at number four. I mean, are you trying to get your ass beat in this game? Are you serious? It's a classic, bro. No. I don't care. Hell no. That's what are you, six years old? You're leaving things on the board. So I'm just going to take at number three, Christmas Vacation. Um, easy pick right there. Chevy Chase, hysterical. Elaine's in it from Seinfeld. Um, she's actually the snooty neighbors that live right across the way. Um, cousin Eddie. How can you not love Cousin Eddie? Um, just the entire thing. It, it's, a, it's a wonderful film. You serious, Clark? Yeah, that, I mean, that's literally my number one. So I, I thought I was going to be able to get one more in before you pulled it off the board, but, you know, that's the, that's the tough part of the game. Um, I will go my number three, Elf. It's just a classic. Um, I, I love the film. Uh, will Ferrell crushes it. Everything about it's fantastic. A-plus stuff, Elf. Number three. I swear to God, and this is not hyperbole, my father-in-law has, I've been chilling at his house the last few days. He has watched Elf six times in a span of like 72 hours. It's just on constantly, and he keeps watching it. And at one point, it was a great movie. And there are some great lines. You know, Miles Finch coming in. What's more vulnerable (laughs) than a peach? Um so there are some really good lines, and it is a great movie, but I've just seen it a little too much at this point. Number two, it's Die Hard. Wonderful film. Uh, Yippee-ki-yay, mother What is his name in that movie? What is Yippee-ki-yay? It's, it's a I great don't know. Name. 
hold on, hold on. Give me one second. We're looking this up, everyone. And people are in their car right now. Like, it's this, it's this. Come on, Chuck. You got to know this. All right. The bad guy's name is Hans Gruber. I'm Hans Gruber. Anyways, the argument for the longest time is this isn't a Christmas movie. You're insane. They're at an office Christmas party the entire movie. There's Christmas music going on left and right. They mention the holiday Christmas multiple times. It's a Christmas movie. It's a classic. Bruce Willis takes out more people than John Wick, or at least I'd love to see the counter on that. It may be close. Uh, Die Hard, number two. That's the number one sports radio like bullshit conversation that happens every year. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? And you just put that on our podcast. You're bringing that type of energy. What is this no, first take? No, no, no. It's it, it, it just is. There, I mean, there's no argument there. Like, the, no, the yeah, there are, is. No, I'm no. not even gonna. I'm not even gonna do the justice of arguing this for you. But either way, this whole thing is fraudulent because that's a bullshit ass answer. But it, it's a good movie. Not Christmas. Doesn't matter. We'll move on. Um, I'm going to go number two, Home Alone. Ah, Home Alone. you took my number one. Yep. You took it off the yep. board. Oh, the the tables have turned quickly, folks. Wow. Charlie Brown, first off, still an unreal film, um, but Home Alone at number two. I love it. Um, just, again, it, it speaks for itself. We all know that what the hell happened. Is it, um, you know, child abuse that they didn't realize that their kid was missing for that long? Yes. Would child services be? Yes, they would. Um, but that's okay because it made a great film. Yeah, I mean, the Wet Bandits, the Sticky Bandits, Harry and Marv, Kevin McAllister coming up with the booby traps. Um, how about the Little Nero's pizza guy that always knocks over the statue? It's just the little nuances. The old man shovel slayer. How can you not love that? They thought he was a monster the entire film, and at the end he takes out the bandits with his shovel. Um, that is a good one. And that was my number one, and this is why the MySpace Top 5 is fun. Um, we're not going to go with Krumpus. We're not going to go... I mean, Christmas Story is the worst movie of all time. If you like Christmas Story, you're an absolute I love loser. Christmas Story. You're an idiot. That movie stinks. Um, I've run out of just about everything, so I'm going with number one. No, we're not going with Jack Frost. Um, oh, Jesus Christ. This is why you got to do your prep work, folks. Um, the suspense is killing me. We are going with, I hate to do this, but I'm doing it, Office Christmas Party. Uh, Ehrlich Bachman's in it. Um, I think Jason Sudeikis is in it. Or, no, it's Jason Bateman, actually. It's funny. Is it the number one movie on the list? Absolutely not. But Home Alone 2 just doesn't have it. Home Alone 3 absolutely stinks, and I've run out of options. So, number one. Oh. Uh, what did I even say? Office Christmas party. The night office good Christ too, though. What the hell is that? Is that funny? I'm, uh, an office Chris? Is that like an episode of The Office that I missed? No, this it's is a, a film. Uh, this is a standalone film. It's, you think a, it's film. a number one Christmas movie of all time. It kind of forty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I, I just I don't have anything else, Houdini. I mean, somehow Holy you you took shit. Charlie Brown Christmas. And still, somehow, I had nothing left on the board, which makes me think they have not came out with a decent Christmas movie in years since Elf. Um, so, shit. Eddie Murphy. We won't, go. we won't go off his Christmas party. We'll just go with, um, we'll go with Frosty the Snowman. I, I was a bigger Frosty the Snowman guy than Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. So we'll go Frosty the Snowman, number one. Probably going down, but I may be able to salvage it with Die Hard, with um, Jingle All the Way. 
and with Tim Allen back there. Well, apparently in your brain, you're going to salvage it. Cause I'm going a Christmas story. Number one, this is highly contentious. I know people despise this movie. It is a great film. Okay. I don't know if it's number one. I would do Christmas vacation well above a Christmas story, but with the, the way that this game works, you got to pick what you can at the bottom of the barrel here. A Christmas Story, the lamp with the little lingerie thing alone, that entire scene, it puts it in the top five for me. So, a Christmas Story, number one. Yeah, I mean, there are some funny parts to it. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Randy always on his back in that puffy coat, and he can't get up. I uh, love the bullies. The the guy with the you know the red hair that just looks like your typical bully. Kind of looks like Buzz from Home Alone. And um, there are some and good just lines. the voiceover. The, the voiceover alone. that's like the the adult, but he's the kid. It's just the dynamic is just hilarious. And talking about the dad, the dad makes the whole damn thing. I mean, the he dad's, is hysterical. Yeah, the, the dad is funny. Um, and at one point, I do think I liked a Christmas story. Actually, Houdini, we got a new number one. Can you do this on the game? Can you go back? Absolutely not, but we'll allow it because okay, I'm a kind-hearted the, person. It's the season of giving. Yes, we're going to allow number it. Number one, it's no longer Frosty the Snowman. It's no longer Office Christmas Party. It's no longer the night before where Seth Rogen does a bunch of shrooms and goes to church. It is It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, It's a Wonderful Life. The main character in It's a Wonderful Life at one point is at a high school dance, and he's legit 45 years old. And I'm just <laughs> like, what the hell is this? This is this is the That's, technology they had back in the day, but it just makes you warm and fuzzy inside. Um, I don't think I've ever even watched that film. Sounds oh. like it's great stuff, but pretty sure it's in black and white. I'm completely out. We'll see it never. Okay, so I'll take your word for it. All right, let's go to a little on the train. First time we have done this in a long time. Let's start it off with on the train, figgy pudding. We're keeping it Christmas theme. Are you on the train with figgy pudding? You sent me this. I have no idea what this is. Can you explain this? I'm look. I'm I, Googling it as we speak. I have no idea what it is. I sent it to you because I thought you were going to do some research about what figgy pudding is. But I'm obviously completely off the train okay. because it looks it looks absolutely disgusting. It's a plum pudding. Yes, I said that right. It's made with plums, um, and it's obviously in the Christmas Carol. We wish you a Merry Christmas. Now bring us some figgy pudding. Now bring us some figgy pudding. And everyone goes out there and sings this. It's like a part of their lives. I mean, I say the words figgy pudding. I, I say that phrase a lot. Bring me some figgy pudding. That's something that comes out of my mouth multiple times a year because I'm a big Christmas Carol guy. And no one knows what figgy pudding is. And so, yes, it's a plum pudding. It looks absolutely disgusting. It dates back to the 14th century. And instead of singing like, now bring us some toys, now bring us... No, it's it's bring us figgy pudding. And I just, I'm off the train completely. Plum pudding sounds like ass. Dude, we gotta, we gotta make this. It looks like meatloaf. I'm looking it up. It looks just like meatloaf, but it's pudding. It says it takes like eight hours to cook. 25 minutes to prep. Eight hours and 25 minutes to put together this figgy pudding. It's got a shitload of five stars all over the internet as far as the recipes are concerned. So, I mean, one dried cup of currants, also known as Zanti raisins. It's um, raisins, it's figs, it's almonds, it's spices, and apparently it's moist and dense. 
People out there eat this. I'm sure someone, someone listening to the show has eaten some figgy pudding. And let me tell you what, you're a sociopath. It is disgusting. All the Christmas people out there in their red silk pajamas eating their figgy pudding and drinking their coffee. That How looks about, horrendous. Horrendous. Wow. Horrendous. How about Hallmark movies? Are you on the train with the Hallmark movies? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, people probably would think that I would say no to this, but I'm totally on. It, it's They're so cliche, and you can literally know the plot before it even starts. Here's the plot. It's Here's usually plot. a writer. Here's yeah, the plot. go ahead. It's, Let's yeah, see what it's, your plot is. Here, here's my plot, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but based on the last 15 that I've watched, it goes something like this. Some female is on a road trip. She's on a work trip, whatever it may be. Her car breaks down, and she gets stuck with some dude that she met at a gas station and thought was a complete jackass. She's like, I got to spend my Christmas with this guy. She meets all his stepsons, whatever it may be. She finds out he's single. They share a kiss on the elevator. They have some eggnog by 1130, and next thing you know, the husband's calling at 2 o'clock in the morning. Where are you, Darlene? I haven't heard from you all night, and she's sleeping with Todd that she met at the gas station. That's a Hallmark movie. Your thoughts? Well, I mean, yours got a little darker than mine. Um, you're talking about somebody cheating on their husband, which, I mean, I'd watch this one too. But my typical Hallmark film is going to be, it's the, the big city chick from New York. She's like an editor for the New York Times or something. She has to come down to rural Mississippi for whatever reason. And she's like, this place is trash. I can't even use my, my Wi-Fi, blah, blah, blah. And she has to stop at like a, a pumpkin patch or something or some farm and some guy there with his flannel on is like you look like you don't belong here at all pretty girl or something she's like this place fucking sucks and then they end up getting stranded because her car breaks down so he helps her out and then she has to stay at his weird little cottage cabin finds out he's single they end up hooking up boom bada boom they end up falling in love we see the wedding um it's a beautiful thing big city girl small town guy every time Big city girl, small town guy, but the, the girl typically has a boyfriend at home who, maybe not husband, we're maybe not going... You're thinking of Sweet Home as, Alabama. We're not going as far as That's adultery, basically what we're talking... No, I'm just telling you, there's always a guy in the picture that she you know doesn't necessarily like, and you can tell at the beginning... The jock. Yeah, yeah, the jock that she's talking to on the phone, and she's not completely satisfied, and then she meets the loser, who doesn't turn out to be the loser? He turns out to be the one. Hallmark movies completely on the train. I've watched my quota. It's one. I've had enough of it this Christmas, but I do love watching one per season. So, Hallmark movies on the train. How about on the train? Crumble cookies. Are you on the train with crumble cookies? I've gotten these quite a lot recently for whatever reason, just different events, things like that. They, they do make it convenient, easy. The, the cookies are solid. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm off the train. I, I don't think they're worth the bang for the buck here. And a lot of times I like one of the cookies and the other four or whatever's in the box. I just think tastes like they're too much. They're doing too much. They're trying too hard. Just give me your basic grandma cookies from freaking UDF at this point. I, I'm not paying fucking $38 for four cookies or whatever it is. I'm, I'm off it's, the train. Yeah, it's, it's, I was on the train. I'm completely off the train. They put the calories down there. And I'm not a huge calorie counter, but, you know, when you see 200 calories for a cookie, you're like, oh, damn, I'm eating four of these and I'm, I'm sitting under 1,000 calories for four giant cookies? No, they broke that into fourths. That's 
A serving is a fourth a cookie. So each one of those cookies is 800 calories. I put on about five pounds in the last two months from just crushing crumble cookies, thinking they were as many calories as, you know, a couple pieces of cheese, and they're 800 freaking calories. So crumble, what are you doing? That is malpractice. At least put half a cookie, but a fourth? What, people are taking a bite and putting them back in the box? That is shameful. So for those of you out there that think you're being healthy eating the 200-calorie cookies, no, they're like 900. You, you on, I mean, that's called getting snerving sniped or serving sniped. Excuse me. It's a tough one to say. Um, that's where they just, they put on the back of the label, they'll put like a hundred calories and you'll see serving sizes like one fifteenth of the bag. They do that all over the place, but you're telling me you looked at one of those, those cookies and thought it was 200 calories. Yeah. That wasn't the smartest thing in the world. I yeah. thought maybe they, I mean, I thought com- maybe they it's used- like an Oreo. I thought maybe they used a yogurt-based flour, you know, technology. Oh, my going ass, crazy. Now, you have those You have those protein cooks on the internet that are like, oh, 40 grams of protein, 170 calories. How did we do it? I thought maybe Crumble was one of those fancy cookies. I mean, who, God, who, puts, who puts a fourth of the actual amount of calories for a cookie? For a damn cookie. It's not a cake. It's not a full cake. It's a cookie. You eat it in one sitting. It's shameful. I mean, We're off the train. And quite frankly, if they tanked tomorrow and went out of business, I would not give a damn. Come sponsor us, Crumble. My God, there you have it. You have it there. Here first, Crumble cookies are out because Chuck, um, during his, his weight loss regimen, uh, he ended up gaining actually 30 pounds because uh, he didn't realize that crumble cookies are not, in fact, 200 calories. There's like they put some of the cookies have cookies on top of them and they are <laughs> filled with icing stuffing. And you were like, it's only 200 cows, man. This is not this is not a bad dessert. I'm oh. watching my diet. Serving sniped, man. It, it, it sucks getting serving sniped. It happens from time to time. But. You know, all the time you go to the airport chilies and you look at their menu, at least they're honest. You know, they put on there. You're like, oh, I'm going to get the linguine. That seems like it's not horrible for you. It's like twenty eight hundred calories. <laughs> or you look down there at the salad that they have and it's fourteen hundred. You're like, that's, you know, See, that's almost all I can eat today. And it's a freaking sa- a green salad with chicken in it. Like, what did you put in your dressing? But at least they're honest. So I don't sit down and eat it. But the crumble cookies serving sniped me. I hate them. I wish Chili's and them didn't do that, though. I, I hate going to a restaurant because I'm like, you know, I'm going to look at – I basically just scan the menu and look for something that isn't completely bad for me. And half the time I'll be like, oh, this is probably pretty solid. It's got, you know, the, the grilled chicken, not the fried. It'll say total calories, 2,800. And I'm like, how can I, a reasonable man, order this on a Wednesday night and not expect to be 230 pounds tomorrow? So I, I kind of wish they didn't do that. But if we're doing desserts, you got to tell me. You got to be honest. Crumble cookies, you're on the you're on the shit list. How about this one? Last one for on the train, and, and we haven't done it on the train in literally two months, so we just did like four of them. On the train, raves. <laughs> I wonder why you're asking me this. I think somebody might have went to a, a rave like they were, you know, a sorority girl in a quarter life crisis this weekend. That's why yeah. we didn't have a show fellas. Yeah. 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 The Sunday we were supposed to have a show. I'm completely and- off the train, dude. I, I, I wouldn't do a rave. I know I'm 30, so I'm literally like, I couldn't be even close to the train at this point, but I was off the train when I was like 18, 20 raves, not my scene. 
We went and saw Lewis the Child. He's Chicago-based. We saw him down at Navy Pier in Chicago, and I was like, I'll give it a chance. It's Saturday night. I know a group of people going. Sure, whatever. We got there way too early to where I had to hear the opening act, and it wasn't a DJ. He was like a legit... He was like a gospel singer, Lewis 97 or Lewis 93. I don't know. I didn't know any of his songs. Didn't recognize one. And the whole place knew what he was singing. So they're jamming. I'm just standing there like, can this just end? Can we get the DJ on? Can you turn the lights off so no one can see me? This is embarrassing. I'm just sitting here. So then the DJ turns on and I decide to go nuts. I'm like, it's a rave, right? Everyone's going to go crazy. I'm bopping up and down. At one point, some dude tapped me on the shoulder. He's like, dude, you got to stop. You're out of control. I'm like... I, I'm just I, I'm trying to fit in with my surroundings. He's like, you got to stop. So I go to the bathroom. I'm like, I'm getting a worker wanna... stopped you. No, it's just uh, just a guy. Was, yeah, some dude that was tapping his foot behind me. I'm like, you're tapping a foot at a rave, you you chotch. <laughs> so I decide to go to the bathroom. They have porta potties in this like little airport hangar where this concert is. It's like a five minute walk back to the porta potties, and by the time I get back there. The crevice is filled with just a herd of people, and I am, I got to walk all the way through, and you're just like, sorry, my bad, excuse me, sorry. You know that feeling? Everyone that's been to a concert and lost their buddies and tries to find them has gone through this, where you walk through everyone, and you're just like, well, this is the uh, this is the rave version of the walk of shame. Coming back from the bathroom, you think you know where your buddies are, you know the direction where they're in. And you just have to walk through this big, tight crowd and just say, excuse me, sorry. Uh, yeah, sorry. Oh, sorry. And it is um, that alone. Why, why would you pay money for that? For those of you that like going to the raves, there are better things to do in life. Honestly, everything I've ever done in life is better than that. You had the walk of shame back from the bathroom. It almost sounded like, you know, when you walk back from if you bowl. Nobody's figured this out yet. If you go bowling, after you bowl, there's no unawkward way to walk back after you throw the ball down the, the lane. You just feel That's... so awkward. You're just like, you, like if do you dance, do you like just put your head down? No one's been able to figure out what you do after you bowl the damn ball. It is always awkward. It sounds like you had that for like a football field length. So I'm sorry about your experience. At least you now can learn and grow from this and don't do it again. You're not a rave guy. We're not a rave podcast, but um, I'm sure we got a couple couple fans over here that uh, probably enjoy the rave. So, hey, go for it. It's now time for the Real News Network with five-time Emmy Award winner Houdini. Today on the news, an attorney suspended for pooping in a Pringles can, leaving it in a victim advocate's parking lot. A giant inflatable whopper goes rogue and rolls through Newburgh. Credit card nightmare. $7,112 charged for a $7 Subway sandwich. And a naked man is arrested at Disney World in front of It's a Small World After All. That's what's coming up on the Evening News with Chuck and Houdini. All right, which story you want to start with, Houdini? I'll, I'll open up the floor for you. What was the most intriguing from that intro? Uh, I mean, it's it's tough to go against the uh, the guy that was shitting in Pringle cans. Um, it's just a, it's an all around. I, I feel like we, we run into these almost too much. It seems to be a national story with like a grown man taking a shit somewhere. He shouldn't be shitting, uh, like every three months. So I, let's dissect it. Yeah. So his name is Jack Blankesley and uh, he's a criminal defense attorney. So 
the irony there. The criminal defense attorney, Jack, pooped in a Pringles can, tossed it into a parking lot of a crime victim advocacy center. Uh, His defense, he said he didn't target anyone, but has recently run into a habit of putting his feces in a Pringle can and randomly throwing them from his car. He claimed he's pulled the Pringles prank at least 10 times that year. The court did not buy it. They said Blakesley purposely chose the haven of hope in Cambridge, Ohio as his drop zone. Cambridge, Ohio. You don't say. Ohio. Shout out Cambridge, Ohio, the, the Pringle shit capital of the world, apparently. Um, I I love this. I mean, this guy it said he was practicing law since like 75. So this dude has to be like 70 years old. Like he, he is not a young man taking dumps in Pringle cans and tossing them out of hell. Like that. that's probably the wildest part of the whole thing is that if I picked up a Pringle can full of shit in my backyard, I would just be like, I mean, touche, fellas. You got me on this one and to go on with my day. I don't know if I'd call 911, but, you know, maybe it's good because this guy, he was clearly on a a rampage from hell. So maybe it's good that we stopped him. Uh, How about this one? A giant inflatable whopper goes rogue and rolls through Newburgh. First of all, I didn't even realize that any Burger Kings in America or really any burger restaurants in general still had the, the giant burger that was up on their sign or whatever. I thought that was something from like the 1980s. There is a place in Huntington, West Virginia, shout out called Frost Top that has the giant spinning mug. Um, back in the day, Hugs in, AKA the blue moon saloon. And uh, I think it's in Oakley. It was uh, Bob Huggins old place. They had the UC basketball court in there. And they also had the, uh, the basketball that spun on the finger. That was cool, but they don't do these anymore. Because of reasons like this, the Whopper went rogue. It was the size of a single car garage, went bowling through the streets of Newburgh after breaking free of its ties at a local Burger King. Um, The burger blew away at 6.55 in the morning. It crossed a street, crashed into a local smoke shop. (laughs) Some dude was in there. Some stony MacGyver was in there getting his bong and just got drilled by a Whopper. got wedged in between the counter. Um, It took out an American flag and then tumbled into another business. I mean, this is just a loaded story right here that you can't make up. This is on um, CBS 6 out of Portland. This is dead serious. I'm just imagining I'm crossing the street and I look to my left and I see a, a just a single car garage size burger coming at me and I just go, you know what, this is how I go. And I'm okay with that. I, I just get killed by a 9,000-pound inflatable whopper. That's how I want to go. I mean, if it really comes to it, take me out by a, a ginormous whopper floating through the street. Even the Whopper wanted to get the hell away from Burger King, man. No one wants to be at Burger King. The Whopper's like, get me the hell out of here. I'm going to go find myself a Rallies. That's that's uh, that's remarkable stuff. And apparently the police said they were stunned that they didn't get one call about the rogue Whopper that was rolling down the street for a minute. Reminds me of a time at Ohio University uh, the night before I graduated. Late night, walking home from the bars, and some dude, he picked up a car tire up on like State Street. And for those of you that know State Street, it can roll all the way into uh, Mill Street if if you get a good roll on a tire. It rolls through Court Street, past the Domino's on the left, the hookah bar on your right. 
this is very niche because most people listening to the show don't know Athens. But if you do, you know what I'm talking about. And they know what a thing, tire is and they know that. It, yeah, it's a steep hill. And that thing just started rolling through the hills of Athens. And I'm like, oh, my God, I was just watching. I'm like, this guy is about to get arrested for just taking out a car. It picked up so much speed. I swear at one point it was going like 45 miles an hour down the street. And it was just, it wasn't wobbling. It was just like a runaway tire. I was like, oh my God. I was just waiting for like Rob Myers going on a late McDonald's run at two o'clock in the morning to have his black Batmobile just smashed by this tire. Um, it didn't hit anyone, fortunately. Whoever the person was that did that is probably in prison right now. You saw some wild things in Athens, Ohio, Houdini, to say the least. Um, it, it didn't bring out the best in people. To- yeah, no, it sounds, you know, a, a casual felony committed um, by rolling a tire. That could, like, literally fuck somebody up. I mean, somebody could have died from this jackass having one too many cocktails and rolling a tire down a hill. So, yeah, it's uh, – don't do it. Don't do it, and hopefully some guy's not – some guy's listening right now going, holy shit, that's why that tire went through my fucking window about 10 years ago. That all adds up. I'm going to find the bastards who did this. A credit card nightmare. $7,112 was charged for a $7.54 Subway sandwich. Let's see if the article says what sandwich it was. Um, first of all, it was a foot long. And the fact that it's seven fifty four, come on. What happened to the $5 foot long? Do they even have the specialty foot long anymore to where they'll give you like the oven roasted chicken for five bucks? Or at this point, has inflation pushed everything over seven? I don't know. I've I haven't been to um I haven't been to Subway in so long, man. I mean Jersey Mike's is king. I gotta be honest. There's one right next to us now. Um I fuck, I'd go to Penn Station. I go to Jimmy John's before Subway. Although I don't hate Subway. Ooh. Yeah, Subway, man. It's um I go there sometimes and I get their salads. I told Taxman that I got the salads and he's like, You are a sociopath. You get a Subway salad. Yes. They they drop in two handfuls of spinach. They put the toppings in there. You throw some green peppers and some sauce. Like, what's the big deal? I'm the sicko. Sorry, I don't want the yoga mat bread. All right, should we go on with the story? I mean Credit card nightmare, $7,112 charged for a seven fifty four Subway sandwich. A Georgia woman's trying to get $7,000 put back on her credit card after the large amount was accidentally charged. Uh, Vera Connor went to the local Subway right around Atlanta, um, bought her sandwich, which is seven fifty four, and accidentally, don't ask me how this is accidental, $7,112 was left as a tip. She says uh, she went to enter her phone number to collect the subway rewards, but instead the screen changed to the tip portion and her phone number must have been 711298 and then she hit send and uh, she can't get her money back. Her quote, this is unbelievable because I feel like anyone that sees that has to know that the $7,000 tip on a $7 Subway sandwich is a mistake. I've worked in retail before. I know how to tally up at the end of the night. She's pissed. She can't get a hold of the location manager. She's out of 7K. I would lose my damn mind. The guy, the the, the employee just thought he did a hell of a job. He's like, finally, somebody values Recognize. what I do and what I bring to the table. I made a hell of a chicken bacon ranch sandwich, and finally people are realizing it. That's what he did when he went home. But, I mean, the set, this is why I, I you always never use your debit card, dude. I know that's a ter- terrible advice for some complete idiots who want to rack up credit card debt left and right. 
Use the credit card. If some shit like this happens, Discover, Visa, whoever, MasterCard, they are great at immediately getting rid of that charge and replenishing your, your credit card and, and calling the fraud, having the fraud department handle it. Go with the credit card. Get the points. Don't use the debit card. But bigger question, Chuck. What if they told you, all right, we're going to keep the seven grand, okay? But get Subway for life. Free for life. Do you take that? Seven grand Subway for life. No. So that's the- 800 800- 75 the up, subs. The, yeah, the upfront inventory cost, that's that's way too much. If they said, hey, we'll break it up to where we're just going to charge $40 for the rest of your life until it hits 7K, I may say, okay. Like, oh, yeah, monthly subscription. I'll just eat Subway sandwiches all the time like I'm freaking Happy Gilmore. Hi, like a cold cut combo. Hey, happy. Can I have one of those? Yeah, I do it. But here's the deal, Houdini. You just talked for... One minute, you gave a great TED Talk on not using a credit card. I literally said that the Georgia woman is trying to get $7,000 put back on her credit card. It was in the title of the story. So she used a credit Bullshit. card. So, so, yeah, so your your TED Talk was horrible. But um, No, who, I, I oh, is this Bank of America? Who is this? Who's the credit card company? I don't know if they went that far in the article is telling me. Let's okay, see. well, then I don't believe it. Let's go all the way down there. Yeah, no, she's still disputing with the manager. Didn't say what the uh, credit card company is. But anyways, the, yeah, the you're, subway. You're, you're right. You're right. The, <laughs> the subway sandwiches for you. Are you are you going with the subway sandwiches for life for seven thousand dollars? That's actually a good uh, question for the listeners. Yeah, God. Well, my listing skills were pretty dog shit because yeah, it blatantly says first line of the article on her credit card. Well, that credit card company sucks ass because my credit card company discover would have had that handled in 20 seconds okay so maybe this is a little promo for discover um but doing the math right for seven grand if let's say it's an eight dollar eight dollar sub you're looking at 875 subs right there would be the cost of that seven thousand up front okay so if you look at you know that's almost two and a half years of getting a sub every single day right? I think over the long haul, this would actually be a good investment because I would be hitting Subway a few times a week, minimum. Salads. And I think I think by, by the time I'm 36 or something, I would be even. And then everything on top of that, I'm in the green, brother. I'm in the green. From 36 on, and there's a chance that I would die early from eating all this fucking yoga mat bread. Uh, so my, I might quiche at like 40 if I do this, but for a small run, I think this would be actually a good financial move. Even if I spent seven grand on subway sandwiches throughout a couple of years, I still don't ever think I'd get a ham sandwich from subway. Like who, who the hell is going to subway? And they're like, I'm going to get the black forest ham today with American cheese. Like that to me is uh, they a would- little bit of a stretch that in the tuna. Dude, the tu- dude, I saw somebody make the tuna on like TikTok or Instagram. They, they put had, oh, dude, they put a hundred gallons of mayo in it. Swear dude, to they, God, they, they get an ice cream scooper and they just oh. plop, plop it out on there and they put like three big old dollops. Yeah, I'm just like, oh my it god, is. who is eating the tuna? Come on, some sick, sick, twisted bastards out there are getting the tuna sandwich. Black Forest ham, they would tempt you with the five dollar deal. That's what they would do. So I've gotten it. Cause I'm like, I only got five bucks. I was, you know, I'm a young kid trying to make it in Hollywood. Right. So I'd yeah. have to get the black forest ham and deal with the repercussions later. 
I wanted to get into the naked man getting arrested at Disney World, wandering around. It's a small world after all, but it's honestly just too sad. At this point, I don't even want to get into it. We just we we lift up our prayers for that man. I grew up with someone actually that was um, I would never call him a dear friend of the show, but I, I liked him. Like he was he was funny. He was that guy that just was always he was kind of like our uh, Johnny Knoxville at Cardinal Pacelli. You know, he's just doing crazy stuff. And I was like, this guy is insane. Um, and I told you about this on a past podcast. He uh, he pooped on a U scan at Kroger and got arrested and made national news. So that's what this it's a small world uh, guy reminds me of. And hopefully he's doing good and uh, said his apologies there running around naked at Disney World. And if you were at Disney that weekend, um, he didn't mean it. He just, uh, he, he was, he was, let's just put it this way. He was one of the guys that was on the other end of the Hallmark movie where his wife ended up with the small town guy and he was the big city guy and he had a little too much to drink and went to Disney and that's how all Hallmark movies end in real life. It's just, uh, it's sad stuff. It is uh, sad stuff, no doubt about it. Hey, let's get to the Crosstown Shootout, man, and get you out of here. Cincinnati and Xavier this weekend. Bearcats have lost four straight in this series. It is time, man. Like, we have seen this story over and over again. A UC team that we think has a pretty good shot coming into this game at Centos. Granted, it's been a while. The Muskies have kicked our asses at Centos for years at this point. But UC hasn't won two straight since 1996 in this series. X has had a multi-game winning streak six times during that span. Six times, including four in a row and multiple three-gamers. Like, how is that even possible? How have they won multiple games six times in a 26-year span, 27-year span, with four-gamers and three-gamers sprinkled in there? Like, the, the Musketeers did lose to Delaware right before we recorded this. They've already lost to Oakland. They may actually stink. Is this the year, Houdini? The wood is everywhere. Is this finally the uh, year they get it done? I sure hope so. I, I'm just, they're going, we're going into the game. I just watched them lose to Delaware. They looked absolutely terrible. Um, I, I don't know how much that's going to play into what happens on Saturday at all. So I don't want anyone to, especially the players, I mean, the, <laughs> I get the nice thing or the bad thing about this is I think we got what probably eight guys that are brand new to the Crosstown shootout this year. Uh, and even on Xavier's side, they got a whole brand new team too. So there's not, you know, too many guys that even really know what this is about. But um, after our interview with day day, I think he, he was ready. He had this thing circled, but oh, yeah. um, they, they don't have the, the, the rim presence. They don't have a nungy on this roster. And I think it's going to be difficult for them to contend with our bigs, and if we can shoot the ball at, at any proficiency, you know, we saw us shoot 18% from three against Howard. If we, if we have a game like that from outside, then it's anybody's game, right? It, from a talent perspective, this should be the year. But again, we didn't, we haven't won since 2001. They, they didn't, they invented the iPod like a month before UC beat Xavier the last time at the Centos. So I don't want anyone thinking we're going to go in there and roll these guys and not take this game seriously because Xavier's having a tough start because it's going to be a battle. I, I guarantee you that. Um, I think we're a much better overall team, and I just I hope to God we show it. Yeah, I mean, the, the last time Cincinnati won this game, 
I was coming home from school, firing up AOL Instant Messenger with a screen name of CW Bala 93. It's been a long time. How much do you hate Xavier? Just, uh, I feel like that's a fair question to ask right out of the gate before we kind of break this down for a few minutes. Do you hate him more than any other sports team out there? You hate him more than the Pittsburgh Steelers. You hate him more than the St. Louis Cardinals. You hate them more than the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> the San Francisco 49ers. I would say, I don't know if hate's the right word. I would say this game means more to me than any of the other rivalry games. It's the the crosstown shootout is number one for me. There's no question. I, I I am not a fan of Xavier in any fashion. Although I we do have the, the weird thing with this is the dynamic with you have, you know, I have good friends who are Xavier fans. Yeah. I can't blame them that at some point in their life they went down the wrong path. You know, yeah, maybe fools. it was their parents, maybe it was their family. Yes, you know, they 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 had bad upbringing. I get it. It's a tough scenario. It doesn't come from a good family, becomes a Xavier fan. There's so many different factors that could go into this. So I give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, but to not really answer your question, it's the number one game for me as far as what I care about. And if they lose, I actually get pissed off. Like, I, I don't want to do anything that day. Oh. And that doesn't necessarily happen when we're watching. You know, if the Bengals lose to the Steelers, I'm not going to, like, fucking be flipping tables over, you know? Hopefully I don't do that uh, on Saturday. But I don't know. What are your thoughts? Are you are you a do you just hate everything about Xavier? Yeah, it makes me squirm. <laughs> Dude, it's just, it's the dynamic of it. Like, growing up, we mentioned it earlier, two shout-outs on one show. I was at Hugs Inn. That's where I had my birthday party every year. And then when they switched it to Blue Moon Saloon, I had it there. And then when they destroyed the entire place, I was distraught. I was there watching, I think it was Xavier against, like, George Washington. And George Washington had... Uh, the dude that had the really long shorts. I forget his name. It was well before Pops Mensa Bonsu and that whole crew. But they were playing George Washington, and it was on Fox Sportsnet. And UC was on Fox 19 at that point. And local TV was king back in the 90s. So I was like, Dad, what is like? Who who is this X team? And he's like, oh, that's Xavier, the other team in town. I was convinced they were a triple-A team. Like I was just like, oh, they're not even in this – they're not even in the same league as you see. You know, they play them every year, and they, they've won a few here and there. But, like, no, I was, like, five years old. And then they start beating the Cats when they're number one, and I start sobbing a little bit. And then they start winning games at Xavier where I thought Cincinnati had the better team. Like, when Nick Williams threw it away, Armin Kirkland was standing right there, Nick. Mm. You got to just chest pass, chest pass. And then a couple years later, it was um, – Lance Stevenson, I guess before that, it was Jihad Muhammad. Both those games went into overtime. UC lost them both. Then years after that, D. Davis hit a big three late to beat Cincinnati. Like There was a period there where it felt like, yes, Xavier was winning all the games, but Cincinnati had the clearly superior program all time, which they still do. But even in that moment, it was like, all right, UC's in the Big East. Xavier's in the Atlantic 10. Sure, Xavier or Conference USA, Atlantic 10, whatever it was. Sure, Xavier's winning these games, but they're tight late. They're, you know, hitting some shots down the stretch, and UC just has the yips in this game. In the last 10 years, like, we're diehard Cats fans. You can't even make an argument. Like, Xavier has just kicked UC's ass consistently. They've won the close games, too. 
That's where my hatred comes from. It comes from the fact that they were the clear little brother, inferior team for so long. And at some point, about a decade ago, they just kind of, and really, even though it has nothing to do with the fact that they beat UC once a year to why their program has really thrived, it doesn't. But sometimes I feel like it does, you know, like those wins over those top ranked Bearcats teams just kind of jolted them a little, you know, gave them a little spark and they just overcame our Bearcats. And now they're, according to John Fanta, they're the premier program in Cincinnati. And it disgusts me. It, it really disgusts me how UC could let that happen. Is that a good enough answer the, for why I hate this the program? tide? The tide is turning, Chuck. Let's not get I, all depressed over here. You're, you're right. You're right. We've been – I actually think it's funny when there's some UC fans that are, are still trying to argue, like, no, no, like Xavier hasn't – Xavier has kicked our asses really, like, for the last 20 years. If you look at just the overall, it's just been – they have – I don't know what the exact number is, but obviously they have won plenty more than we have won in the crosstown. And it's not only the crosstown. They've gone further in the tournament time and time again. Um, we, we need to flip that script. I, I think Wes is, is hopefully the guy. I mean, hell, love Mick Cronin, but my God, could we not win tournament games with him? It was, I don't know what it was. Um, obviously, that Nevada, Nevada year was ah. the, the one that really sticks out to me that we should have really gone far in. And I thought we had a Final Four caliber roster. Um, but hopefully the tide's turned. But yeah, Xavier has dominated us. And that's why I think this game in particular is so important to get. From a just a program standpoint, from a West Miller standpoint, from these young guys on the roster to be like, hey, we don't lose to Xavier. That's not how this works. And kind of flip the script. Because my God, I need it. The city needs it. I can't deal with Xavier being the king of the town anymore. So I was going through yesterday UC's history because I was like, maybe Xavier fans are right. Maybe they are the better program. No, like since he had their they had one bad decade in their entire history, aside from, you know, the, this last five years, which has been brutal, and the first four years of Mick. Um, they really only had one bad decade. It was the Ed Badger and Tony Yates era. Ed Badger went 68 and 71, 18 and 40 in their conference. Tony Yates followed it up with a 3 and 25 season and um, had four losing seasons in his five years that he was at the helm. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the Bearcats group me right now if they gave Ed Badger five years to lose 52% of his games and then followed it up, giving Tony Yates five years as well of just losing like 100 games in five years? I mean, we would have lost our minds. I would have been, after that 3-25 and 25 season, I would be like, get him out of there. I mean, we wanted Brandon gone halfway through his second season. I mean, how did anyone that's listening to the show comment on how you felt as a Bearcats fan back in 1983-84 when they went 0-14 in their conference? I mean, good God. <laughs> that's a good little history lesson. I was not aware of that, uh, that decade of hell that you just mentioned. Um I mean, the thing that sucks is Xavier, I mean, shit, with the Travis Steele era, they weren't any good, and we were still losing. I don't know what we what the record was against Travis Steele off the top of my head, but we still lost the majority of those games, and they weren't even making the damn tournament. Like, yeah. it, there's something. We got the yips against this team, but I think with a fresh roster and what I just saw, and like I said, no nungy, 
um, type of player. No Kenny Freeze type of guy. I don't think they got the big guys that can um, contend with us. And from a guard standpoint, I think we're very comparable. Um, you know, I, I think uh, what the hell is his name? Their guard just put up like thirty something today. Claude what the hell is his? Desmond? No, Claude. Claude didn't. It was a. Uh, uh, Davion McKnight, Olivari, Olivari, yes. No, McKnight's solid, but he's not going to be putting up thirty. That, that's the one thing that scares me if he if he kind of goes off because um, he's capable of doing that. But uh, from a roster standpoint, one to ten, dude, it, we're just a much deeper team. Yeah. But it's the Cintas, man. What what do you think the spread's going to be? I think just based off that history lesson alone, you got to put either UC at minus one or a pick'em. I don't think you can make Xavier minus one. I really don't. They're four and five with losses to Oakland and Delaware since he's looked like very legit, granted against not great teams. But I feel like you'd be a fool as a bookmaker to put Cincinnati at plus one. But at the same time, you'd be a fool to bet on Cincinnati. I mean, dude, how many times have we turned on this game and it's like 16 to two right out of the gate? UC just goes, I, Xavier's hitting everything and it's, you know, it's 10 to nothing. I mean, I mean, how many times have we seen that story? It's like every time they go to CentOS Center, like they, they never have a hot start. And the times that, like Brandon's first year when Chris Vogt was playing well, they'll mm. play well until it's like 19 to 18, and then they'll just collapse by halftime. But every single time it's CentOS, at least like the last four or five, um, by halftime they've been getting killed. Right, right. That's what I was going to say. It's usually pretty obvious from the, the first couple minutes of the game where we're going to be at. Um, I think, I think Xavier is going to probably be favored by one or two points going once we tip off just from the home court standpoint. I know they literally just lost to Delaware at home by like seven. Um, but I still think that home court advantage will sway them. I hope it's the case because you know what the hell I'm obviously we're all doing is hammering the cats money line and we're going to get rich. That's what we're going to do. Sean Miller's team doesn't have it this year. Okay. West Miller's got the boys buzzing. We're, I mean, that offensive performance, I know it was Florida Gulf Coast, but my God, what a great tune-up game for this Bearcats team to to, to go off against Xavier. So I'm, I'm excited, man. Riding the wave, everyone. And ride Chatterbox Bearcats to the moon this weekend. Even if you're a Xavier fan, because we love trolls in the chat room, we got a live post-game show on YouTube. We've had one after every game except for the one that I mentioned that I uh, went to the rave the night before and, and didn't feel like doing the live show. It was an NFL Sunday against Florida Gulf Coast. I can tape a few here and there. But Xavier at Centos Center would be the first win since 01-02 if the Cats can get it done. And it would be a hell of a chat room. Yep. Anyways, Chatter, Chuck, and Houdini, have a great day, everyone. <laughs>